We thank you, Lord, that we have leaders who love you and your church and who provide great insight, oversight, discernment, wisdom, and generosity. We thank you that we, together we get to be the body of Christ and pray that increasingly, all of us, each person, each household, and we as a whole might increasingly look like you, act like you, sound like you, and do what you have done and are doing. So give us great joy in the journey as we follow into mission. Would you pray the prayer Jesus taught his disciples and his father, brothers and sisters and friends? If you don't know the words, they'll be on the screen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you. Could you please open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5, please? We're going to end up our first 13 weeks in word flourishing in exile. And for our guests who might think this is kind of a, well, I should tell you a story. Someone visited us 13 weeks ago and said, it seems ironic that people in Pella, Iowa, who have so much, are talking about exile. And uh, so let me just remind our guests what we're talking about. We're talking about our culture today. What I've been trying to suggest over these last 13 weeks is increasingly our culture is moving to what has been defined as post-Christendom. And by that, it means the Judeo-Christian stuff that was at the core of the Western culture for about 17 centuries has now been moved to the margins, and something new is emerging. It's a post-Christendom. So things that oftentimes the Western culture has embraced are no longer part of who we are. And I'm trying to suggest that's a wonderful thing. We have a chance to flourish, to be people who look like and act like Jesus and make a positive difference everywhere we go. So we've been trying to do that now for 13 weeks, and I'm going to try to summarize it very specifically today. So let me, let me try to just, in a, I wrote this down this morning, I came in early, a sentence. I just try to think everything I do in this sentence. If I can't say it in a sentence, I don't know what I'm talking about. So here's my sentence. What I'd like to suggest to all of us through this whole two-year period is that we develop the mind of Christ, that we become enriched with the heart of Christ, so that his life is lived through us, and we positively impact our culture. And so what I want to get at today is I want to just do some quick summarizing and then ask Lane to very specifically teach us some more about the Lord's Prayer. So let me just really, just hear my heart for a couple minutes here now. I've been trying to say, this is, the Christian faith is not about rules and regulations. It is not about who's in and who's out. What we're trying to be is a people, listen now, who think like Jesus, who feel like Jesus, who act like Jesus. So this is, listen to this now. What we're trying to be is a people through whom Jesus lives his life. The phrase we've been using is the with God life. So what I'm trying to suggest now is it's not about doing stuff. I'm going to be patient. I'm going to be loving. I'm going to be kind. I've got to do better. No, we don't do better. 
We need to be hooked up with Jesus. When Jesus lives his life through us, we will love. When Jesus is living his life through us, we will be kind. You don't have to think about it. It just comes out of who we are. What we try to show our sons in our life together is what it means to think like Jesus, to feel like Jesus, so that he lives his life through us. Now, why is that important? Let me start. If you want to have a fun book to mess with you on, your, on the next time you travel, John Mark Comer, entitled The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Now, I'm talking about, I'm talking about the mind now. Listen to this. Page 54 and 55. What we give our attention to is the person we become. Let me say that again. Page 54. What you give your attention to is the person you become. Then he writes, put another way, the mind is the portal to the soul, and what we fill our mind with will, will shape the trajectory of our character. In the end, listen to this, in the end, our lives are no more than the sum of what we give our attention to. You agree with that? Now, not only gets his data, but he said the average young person under 24 touches, feels, or considers using a phone 2,416 times per day. And so what we pay attention to is our phones. Now, watch me. What we pay attention to is our phones. So I'm watching people drive, and what are they doing when they're driving? And I'm walking through New York City, and what are, what are people doing? And you go to restaurants, and people are sitting across from each other, and what are they doing? Now, I'm just using a phone as an illustration. What you pay attention to is what you start to become. So whatever comes into our minds, whatever, comes, whatever we're focusing on becomes the driver. So the with God life is to say, Lord, I want to think about you. So what have we done in the last five years? We've tried to together learn three things. What are they? Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. What's the second? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. What's the third? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not. He makes me he leads me. He restores my soul. Why, why am I asking us to memorize this? Because these things help us throughout our day get back, get back to the mind of Christ. It is so easy to be distracted and disoriented by so much. If I'm looking at my phone 2,000 times a day, I'm so distracted. I'm so mindful of so much that I miss the people right in front of me. The person right in front of me whose eyes are filled. So last, last service, after the service, there's a line of people to see me. Someone, situation, a male man, was standing here, talking to these people, he's standing right here, and I watched. This is a non-crying man. I'm watching his eyes fill with tears. So as everyone finally left, 
I said to this one man, what do you need this morning? Because I could see the tears. He said, would you tell me that I'm loved? Now, if you knew the backstory, there's some stuff that's happened in his family that is very, very difficult and painful. And there's been a rupture because of what's happened. And what he feels is so much shame and condemnation. Now, what I could have done was, man, I got, I got, I got another service. I got, I got to talk to 2,000 people today. I mean, I got to get going. I got to... But I saw him. I saw him. Do you see what we pay attention to shapes our character? So what Jesus is saying to us in the Sermon on the Mount, the words of Jesus, blessed, blessed are the poor spirit. Can I have the, slide, the second slide, Dave, with the Anavim on it, that stuff? Here we go. Remember the Anavim. Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, Jesus says to the losers, the people on the margins, the people who got no place in culture, he says, I see you. You're blessed. Remember, the blessing of Jesus is not in the condition. The blessing is not in poverty. It is not in broken spirits. It's not in being persecuted. No, no. The blessing is in the kingdom. And Jesus says, anyone, anyone, anyone is welcome. Last week, Sunday, there was a situation where someone has made a poor choice and there has been some notoriety around it. And this person was at the second service sitting near the front and others know of the situation. So I invited this person over. I invited Lane over. And we wrapped our arms around this person who wept. And I wanted this person to stand in front of the church and be hugged. Because I want her to know she is welcome here. And I want you to know she's welcome here. See, Jesus is talking to the Anavim and says, you're part of this with me. And so what does he say? You're blessed if you're in relationship with me. You're blessed. And then what does he say? You can be salt, flavor, preservation. You can be light, illumination. Let me take you through down this sermon real quickly, and then I want Lane to teach us. Can you look at your Bibles, chapters 5, 6, and 7? Now I'm going to go to every paragraph, and I'm going to just describe what this with Jesus life looks like. So... I'm going to go through the paragraphs, but look up one more time. Now, what Jesus does is so interesting to me. Jesus does not teach doctrinal sermons. What Jesus does, he just looks around. He just sees people. He all of a sudden, he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. What's he doing? He sees someone here whose heart is brokenhearted. He's, he's persecuted. He sees people. He just sees people and just begins to talk about them and ties them into a life with him. He talks about birds. He talks about food. He talks about air. He talks... He just, Whatever he sees, he just brings it in. What am I trying to say to you? Jesus is inviting us to live our lives everywhere, all the time, with him. It's not, get the right doctrine right, get the right doctrine right, get the right, no, no. Jesus didn't, you find me, I'm going to challenge some people. You find one, one doctrinal sermon that Jesus preached. Find me one. Jesus told stories. 
So in that light, you re- we read the Sermon on the Mount, and it's like, do this, do this, do this. No, let me, let me describe these things now. Look at your Bibles. I'm going to give you paragraphs and give you a sentence for each. Chapter 5, 1 through 20, what's Jesus saying about the Beatitudes, salt and light? Here's what he's saying, what I'm saying in a sentence. He says to people, believe the kingdom of God is available to ordinary people, even those on the margins. Chapter 5, verses 21 through 26, he talks about the murder. What's Jesus saying? To deal with tenderness to those who bother, irritate, or persecute you. Next one, adultery. To refuse to use another sexually. Divorce, what's Jesus talking about? To be faithful to our marriage partner. The next one, 33 to 37, oaths, what's he saying? Speak truthfully, lovingly, clearly, and concisely. Chapter 5, 38 through 42, eye for eye, Jesus says, refuse to take personal injury personally. Chapter 5, 43 to 48, enemies, Choose to love and pray for an enemy. All of chapter 6, I summarize like this. Learn to be content with whatever wealth and reputation you've been given. Chapter 7, verses 1 through 6, judging others. To love, accept, and honor others instead of condemning, judging, blaming, or pushing religious things on them. Chapter 7, verses 7 through 12, what are we talking about there? Make simple requests to develop a community of prayerful love. Chapter 7, 13 and 14, the narrow road to do what Jesus told us to do, not just talk about it. Chapter 7, 15 to 23, false prophets, true and false disciples, to be wonderstruck with the goodness and greatness of God. And then the ending, we celebrate that our lives are built on an unbreakable, unshakable kingdom. Now, this is what Jesus is inviting us to be. People who have a relationship with him. You got to hear me now. Please, please, please give me a shot here. If you read all the studies, if you read the research on how we are living, we are so distracted. We are so disoriented that we are just people who are trying to multitask so many things and we think the common language is we can multitask. But the research says no one multitasks efficiently. We can do lots of stuff, but we're not really efficient and fruitful. What I'm trying to suggest is that we are invited on the margins of culture. Christians, we're going to live on the margins of culture, which I am suggesting is a good thing. Because we get to flourish by being people who look like Jesus, who sound like Jesus, who live like Jesus. But don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying, work harder, work harder, work harder, be a better Christian. I'm not saying that. You want to be a person in whom Jesus lives and through whom Jesus lives. Now, in that light, I've asked Lane to teach us more about prayer, a simple thing, praying the Lord's Prayer. So you've, we've prayed it now in here for seven, eight years. In public, every service that I've taught in, Lane's going to now break this down and expand it. What's the purpose? So the next time you pray the Lord's Prayer, you can start 
our Father who art in heaven. And all of a sudden, from your head and your heart, something different emerges about which you pay attention, which shapes how you think, which affects how you live. Some of the ideas that I'm going to share from you come from this book. It's a book by Dallas Willard called The Divine Conspiracy. So the copy of the Lord's Prayer that we'll be praying together is, is in this book. So in light of all our distraction, we can feel good that we're going to give some focused time to the Lord's Prayer this morning. Yes. Okay. So as in preparing for this, I thought, okay, why did the disciples... How did we end up with the Lord's Prayer? And it's because, and see, I want you to take this as an encouragement for yourself in your prayer. The disciples saw Jesus praying. They saw him. They knew that he went off by himself a lot. And then James, John, and um, Peter went to the mountaintop experience with him. Here they, he took him up on a mountain and all of a sudden, Jesus, well, Jesus is praying and he starts to glow. He starts to glow. He becomes transfigured. They are overwhelmed. They're thinking, oh, he prays in incredible ways and these things happen around him. They, they're witnessing the things that he's doing. So they say to him, a few chapters later in Luke, Lord, will you teach us to pray? So this is the prayer that Jesus gave them. These are the words that he said they were to pray. I'm, I'm 61. I think I've been praying this prayer for a, quite a long time. But I think a lot of times I, I can get into this rote habit and I'm just saying the words. I'm just saying the words and I'm not really thinking deeply in them. Does anyone else do that? No, I'm alone. Okay, well, anyway, we're gonna talk about this. So, um, I think this prayer has some keys to how, we're, how God is uh, calling us to function in this life. And as I pray these words, I'm thinking, Lord, if I, can, if I can put myself in a frame of mind while I pray this prayer, I think some things are going to happen in me. He's going to reveal some things about his kingdom and how he comes and what I'm supposed to be praying for and what I'm supposed to be looking for. So could I have slide number five? Our Father. Do you notice that it says our? It's not my. He's already, he's putting the disciples in the, in the context of community. Hmm, awareness of each other. Who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Okay, this is Dallas Willard's version of the Lord's Prayer. Dear Father, always near us. Hmm, see that word heaven up there, in a lot of translations, they leave out the S. And so it should read, who art in the heavens, so the first heaven is right here. The third heaven is when they, Paul, Peter talk, Paul talks about that. He got caught up to the third heaven. The first heaven is right here. The with God life. He is with me. My father, 
dear Father, always near us. May your name be treasured and loved. It really bothers me when I hear people take God's name in vain. But you know, if I think about it, a lot of how we live every day can take God's name in vain. And as his child, I want to grow to treasure and love his name. And it's, it's maybe silly, but sometimes when I hear somebody swear, I'll say, Lord, I don't feel that about you. I hear somebody use this name in vain, and I think, Lord, I just want you to know I don't feel that way about you. That's not how I want to approach life. Slide number six. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This means, may your rule be completed in us. That's a big thing. May your will be done on the earth in just the way it is done in heaven. Now, I have to use my imagination for that. Because I, I, I do, I think about what will heaven be like? I mean, I'm a person that loves perfection. It's going to be great. But what does that mean on the earth? Lord, will you give me the vision to see where your kingdom is not coming? You know, we're told that we have a different ruler in this world. He's temporary. Someday all things will be made right. But right now, don't you agree that there's a lot of things that go wrong? Lord, will you give me a vision for how you can use me in me? Will you, will you speak to me? Will you, will you help me see so that I can help your kingdom come? That's what he's wanting from us as Christ followers, that we would be people that when we come into the room, we bring the kingdom with us. We bring his energy. We bring his light. We bring his hope. We bring a good word, not a bad one. Okay, so slide number seven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. I, how many times when we're asking God for something, is it something for way ahead somewhere? He wants to give us today the things we need today. That's kind of like manna, isn't it? Lord, help me be watching and seeing the things. You have everything I need. Help me be watching and seeing the things that you are bringing me today, and then I have to trust you for what I need tomorrow. If I will practice that posture of trust, it will free me up from a lot of worry and anxiety. Okay, so, and then forgive me. Forgive us our sins and our impositions on you. Sometimes I wonder if he gets, well, he doesn't, because he's, He's not that way, but I think, oh, all the stuff that I bring to you, or all the ways that I think, or when I worry and I, I get upset and all those things, I'm imposing my lack of trust and faith on him and probably a lot of others. So forgive me when I'm doing that as we are forgiving all who in any way offend us. Wow, I need help with that. I can carry around a lot of stuff with me because I'm not just letting go of it and giving it to him and trusting him that if I get hurt, which, I'm, which we all do, don't we? That's, that he knows that, he is with me, and that he will help work that through. 
I don't have to get all drawn into these. I call it spinning. When I'm spinning on something, and it's like, oh, it just wastes my time, it wastes my energy, it drains me. If I'm giving my time to that, I can't be aware of what I could be doing with him, with him in me. Oh my gosh, yes. I get carried away with that one. Let's go to number eight. And these top lines are the words that I just remember us saying every week, how we say the Lord's Prayer. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Dallas puts it like this. Please don't put us through trials, but deliver us from everything bad. You know, I, there's a lot of mystery in this for me. I don't know exactly how this all works because some of the things that I find myself in, I think he should keep away from me. They're trials that I don't want to bear. I don't, I don't think I have the capacity to bear it. Deliver me from everything bad. You know, my version of that, from my point of view, is not his. Because I think he tries to, I think he's wanting to grow me and you. He's wanting to expand my trust, our trust, our faith, our hope. And, and that doesn't happen by making everything pretty and right and happily ever after every day. So I'm trying to look at the things that do come to me and say, Lord, you're my shepherd. I have everything I need. What do I need from you right now? How are you going to help me be open to how you're going to work in this situation? Help me to cooperate with you in this. Because I don't know how. It's a mystery. It's overwhelming. And then I have to remember, God is with me. He is with me. And it's amazing to me, in some of my very low, in some very hard places, I have still known that he is with me. He, st- he shows up. He's, he's there. He gives me ideas. He, he comforts in the midst of the thing that I don't want. Oh, that's how he is. Oh, my goodness. So now I'm learning to watch and to trust, and to wait. I think waiting is a huge part of being stretched in our spiritual formation. And I'm learning to act on that, even when I don't feel like it. Because you know what? Help comes right when we need it, if we can hold on. And Dallas tells us this, that that God loves to spare us. He loves to. I'm going to count on that. Let's go to slide nine. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Here's how he says it. Because you are the one in charge. He is God, we are not. Hmm. And you have all the power. Someday, he will make everything right. And all the glory, too, is all yours forever, eternity, this life into the next. 
It's overwhelming sometimes to think about that. And then his version of amen is, which is just the way we want it. Sometimes I'm not in that space of being... uh, Things don't seem like he's in charge if he's all of this. So then I just have to, I just have to, with my will, say, but it is. If that's just the way I want it, because you will work out all things, Lord. Help me to wait. Help me to trust. Help me to hold on. Bring me a community of people who love and care and encourage and help me be one of those one of those people so you know uh, we're told that the lord's prayer is the foundation of the praying life if you want to pray a really good prayer pray the lord's prayer it's an enduring framework for all of prayer we all know it And Dallas says, it's the necessary base in the great symphony of prayer. It's like that, it's like that lower note that that holds it together, and then, you know, all these other things come on top of it. So my my thing I want to do is I want to agree in my spirit with the Lord's Prayer. Even if I don't understand all of it, I think it's going to take me a long time to understand all that's in the Lord's Prayer. I'm 61. I've been saying a long time, but there's always more. I want to open my will to how God wants to work. Not be trying to control or... It's an internal thing. It's an internal thing. He tells me that he wants to train us to reign with him. He's growing us so that we can learn to pray in accordance and in agreement with his spirit, with his vision of what's all happening in the world. We want to live a with God life. It's a good life. It's going to take us from this life into the next. So let's pray together these words of Dallas's, because we kind of know our words. We're just going to say say it a little bit differently. Will you pray this prayer with me? Dear Father, always near us, may your name be treasured and loved. May your rule be completed in us, May your will be done here on earth in just the way it is done in heaven. Give us today the things we need today and forgive us our sins and impositions on you as we are forgiving all who in any way offend us. Please don't put us through trials, but deliver us from everything bad because you are the one in charge and you have all the power and all the glory too is all yours forever, which is just the way we want it. So what Lane just tried to do was to take the words of that prayer, which we know, it's in our heads, move it somehow to our hearts and expand that we can be doing what Jesus did. So can we take a risk? Sure. Lane and I will. So remember, here's my sentence. Develop the mind of Christ to enrich the heart of Christ that the love of Christ is lived through us. Can we do something together? So I I want you to, I need a big umbrella of mercy. Here we go.
If you call yourself a follower of Jesus, Christ lives in you. So when you pray for someone, out loud, who is praying for that person? Who? Who? Well, I don't know how to pray. It doesn't matter. You know the story. Pastor, back in the day, pastors would visit families. They called it house bazook, house visits. Everybody was all anxious because the pastor came over. So the pastor comes over. It's a meal. And daddy asks his little son to pray. Little boy puts his head down. Amen. Daddy's so embarrassed. He said, Junior, we didn't understand a word you said. He said, Dad, I wasn't talking to you. So can we just, can we just, could we just, can we take like two minutes? And if you're comfortable, would you pray for someone around you? And whatever comes, whatever comes out of your mouth, is the Lord praying through you. It doesn't have to be long, just short. If you don't want to do it, you don't need to. Just close your eyes and pretend you're praying or pray. But if you'd like to do it, let's take like two minutes. And for those who, who are willing to, to just pray with someone? Could, could we give it a shot? Why? If we hear the words and don't do them, they don't register. So can we just take a moment? We'll play some quiet music back there. On your marks, get set. Could you pray with each other for just a moment? If you're comfortable, please consider it.
Well, as, as Doug and I prayed, it just something else popped in my head. Can, can you take one more step? So as I'm praying with Doug, it popped in my head. I wonder if there are any persons here who need a unique touch of the Lord of wisdom. Are there anybody who desperately need wisdom from the Lord for something you're facing? If, you're, if that's true for you, can we take a risk? If you need wisdom from the Lord, could you stand up? So could we pray for you if you need wisdom from the Lord? Can you see people standing around you? If you see someone standing around, could you just put a hand on their shoulder? And I'm going to pray a blessing. But could ever, if you see somebody standing, could you find them? We're going to pray. I'm going to pray for wisdom. So each of us in our own hearts, could you ask the Lord, say, Lord, would you give these women and men wisdom? Would you pray that in the recesses of your own heart? Would you pray for the Lord to give them ideas or visions or words or pictures that will help them with what has to be decided? Would you pray that they'd have the courage if they hear from the Lord to respond and to obey whatever he says because, because the Lord loves So, Lord, we lift these women and men, these boys and girls, to you. Together, the body of Christ, we pray that you'd provide wisdom that only you can give and guidance and direction that only you can provide, that the way will be made clear, directions could be received, hope could be poured into their hearts and minds, that your kingdom would come and your will would be done. So we ask your blessing, Lord, and we pray for unusual amounts of wisdom. And let's pray the Lord's Prayer one more time together, shall we? Stay where you are. Hang in, leave your hands on, appropriately on somebody. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Would the rest of you stand for our last song? Thank you.